HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. With more than 30 weekly podcasts, HRN has something for every food lover. Learn more at heritageradionetwork.org. Heads up, Road Trippers. There's a cool project that popped up in my inbox. I wanted to share it with you because I think you'll think it's cool too. Lauren Salkeld is the co-producer of Inside Julia's Kitchen, one of our fellow podcasts here at Heritage Radio Network. But that's just one of the things she does. I keep myself pretty busy, but it sure looks like she keeps herself busier. And one of the things she's been busy at this last year is working on Four People and Planet, a cookbook in support of the United Nations. Four People and Planet features 75 international recipes from chefs, farmers, and indigenous communities with contributions by Jose Andres, Grace Ramirez, and Massimo Boturo, among so many others. The point of the book is to advance the UN's mission to create a more sustainable food system by creating conversations about the weaknesses in our local and global food systems while also providing actionable ways to make change in the form of accessible and sustainable recipes. If you've been paying attention to our podcast recently, you've been hearing Chav and me talk a lot about Dan Saladino's book, Eating to Extinction. Four People and Planet feels to me like a recipe guide to how to help avoid that extinction. Anyway, if this speaks to the direction you want the earth to go in, if it speaks to the direction that you want to go in, check out Four People and Planet. It's available now wherever you purchase books. And if you can't find it, go to agaveroadtrip.com to the page for this episode, and we'll have a link there. Blue Bank. I am Cha Parivan. And I'm Ryan Acock, the Cocktail MD. And this is Agave Road Trip, the critically acclaimed award-winning podcast that helps green cakes bartenders better understand agave, agave spirits, and rural Mexico. And cocktails. Well, I, I, would, I wouldn't <laughs> On claim not to kill people. Yeah, but we are once again uh, joined by our chief medical correspondent. Do we have any minor medical correspondents? Do you have any um, correspondents I, for any other purposes? <laughs> 
Uh, uh, yes, we do. Whenever yep. we fight over tequila and mezcal, there's John McAvoy. And then, uh, and now we also, whenever we talk about uh, Chef Rick Bayless, we have uh, Chef Rick Bayless as our Chef Rick Bayless correspondent. Oh, okay. And also, uh, now that we're talking about Cristalinos coming soon, we have an expert in the matter they'll be interviewing. So that's another correspondent, I'm guessing. <laughs> but today, today we have our chief medical correspondent, Dr. Ryan Acock. Cocktail MD, Ryan Acock. And he's here to talk to us today, Chava, about mm -hmm. activated charcoal. Did I do that right? Sure. So sure. Let, let, me get, let me get this straight before we even start. So activated charcoal, the only reason why it's in my mind is because when I used to be a kid and used to go to Costco, they have like the new filters for water with activated charcoal. That was a thing, right? Yes. That's right. That's funny. I love that that is, that is your touch point with the activated charcoal. For me, it's the two times that I have had explosive diarrhea in Mexico oh. where I, yes, I took activated charcoal pills and it made everything better. Really? Yeah. Okay. So, so I mean, like for both of us, our experiences with activated charcoal have been medical and technical and both fortunate in a capacity. So uh, we're, are, are we going to have any disclaimers? Are we going to talk about uh, activated charcoal? <laughs> What's it going to happen today? Yeah, I think the reason we decided on this topic was because of the tendency of certain bartenders to put activated charcoals into drinks to give it a black color. And so this is just about making cocktails black. Yeah, that's what set off this lecture. Then, of course, we're going to talk about what activated charcoal is and what it's used for and what it really shouldn't be used for. So, Perfect. All right, so let's talk about what activated charcoal is. If if you take any kind of carbonaceous substance, so things like wood or things like coconut shells, and you heat it to a high enough temperature, you're going to turn it into charcoal. And charcoal's been around for thousands of years. But you can activate that. What that means is you use some kind of chemical treatment or use some kind of heat and steam treatment, and then you corrode the internal surfaces of that charcoal. So now you've got a much higher surface area. So currently... Activated charcoal, if you take like 50 grams of medical activated charcoal, that's a, the surface area of about seven football fields. And that's a lot of surface area to start absorbing materials. So, so, so literally the, the, the whole activated part is just, there's a lot, the, smaller particles, larger surface area. I mean, not just the particles, just the surface area itself is larger. But yeah, that's the activation is you take charcoal and then you treat it with either chemicals or steam heat. And now all of a sudden you've got a larger surface area. Got it. Okay. Yes. Keep going. So yep. that's the whole purpose. So now you've got this mm. adsorptive surface. And I and you say the word adsorptive, A-D, not absorptive, because there's this physics of Van der Waals forces that use in attracting particles. And you don't need to worry about that. Just the biggest thing is... It's, <laughs> oh, down, <laughs> right. Doc. One more time. What was that? So technically speaking, activated charcoal is not a sponge that just yeah. holds on to things like you think a sponge would. It doesn't absorb them. It adsorbs them through what's called Van der Waals forces. This is how a gecko Van is able to... Van der Waals forces. <laughs> Got it. I'll find yes. something. I, yeah, okay, yeah. keep going. Well, well, I think you can understand this, Lou. It's how a lizard sticks the things when it climbs up a wall. What about spiders? I don't know. Maybe. But it's the, <laughs> it's the physics of how small things attract each other. So lizards don't have sticky feet. They have feet that have small enough little, little buds on them. So that means that it has Van der Waals forces that can hold it to a wall. 
Whoa, yes. that's so cool. I am definitely going to link to Spider-Man for this episode, but keep going. <laughs> yes, so that's that's how activated charcoal works. It it basically sticks to things through these Van der Waals forces. So, Chava, you used activated charcoal. You've seen it in things like Brita pitchers, which is how a lot of us have activated charcoal mm-hmm. in our house. Lou, you've seen it in diarrhea treatments. And really, activated charcoal <laughs> gets used a lot for things like certain toothpaste, and it gets used in gas masks, and it gets used for weight loss supplements. And for my purposes as a physician, we use it occasionally in poisoning. And so, You mean if you uh, want to poison someone? No, no, no. No, no, no. you went this the opposite. You went the opposite. So oh, okay. you, I talked about this large surface area in activated charcoal and that it can hold on to stuff. And so if you think about large organic compounds like acetaminophen and a Tylenol overdose, that'd be a great time to use activated charcoal. So if someone overdoses on Tylenol and they come to the emergency room right away, we have them drink activated charcoal. And then hopefully we can bind all of that acetaminophen so they don't get the toxic effects from that poisoning. And how do you administrate it? Just as peels? Yeah, so, Just like so it's a liquid. Ha- yeah, so we, so it's this canister of liquid activated charcoal. And then in our cases, we also put sorbitol in there. So it gives the patient diarrhea as well. So it binds all the acetaminophen and then they poop it out. And just checks it off the system yes. as fast as possible. That's the theory. And we'll get into the, the reality <laughs> of it. But yes, that's, that's the theory is that you drink activated charcoal after a poisoning and you help mitigate some of the effects because the patient can't absorb their Tylenol overdose. Mm-hmm. That's all well and good in theory. Activated charcoal works on large organic molecules, but it does not work on small organic molecules like ethanol. So you can mix ethanol and charcoal together and you're not going to get any of the adsorptive effect on the ethanol molecules. And that's why it works as a coloring agent in a cocktail. Because otherwise it will be just trapping the ethanol and it wouldn't be, it wouldn't go into your bloodstream. So it will be a perfect cocktail to never be drunk. <laughs> Correct. So like if you can <laughs> mitigate the effects of ethanol, but that's not what our, that, that's not what charcoal does. You're still going to get the charcoal and you're going to get the ethanol separately. Okay. Okay. So it does nothing. It does. So, so if I, if I have my explosive diarrhea and I have this, this charcoal cocktail, is it going to help with the diarrhea or not? Yeah. It might. It, and we need to talk about the the amount of, of charcoal that you need to take for diarrhea. So there have been a couple of studies that look specifically at activated charcoal and diarrhea. And the amount that the researchers came up with was 250 grams every eight hours Oof. to treat your diarrhea. And, and I should press that by saying in the medical field, we use 50 grams. So now you're talking five doses of this large volume of activated charcoal every eight hours. So that's a ton of activated charcoal. But, but is it, you keep keep talking amongst yourselves. I'm yeah. going to go grab my bottle because I keep it near me at Which all bottle? times. Hang on. Bottle of what? Of the activated charcoal. Oh, Lord. Okay. So anyway, so yeah, that's a lot of cocktails to be consuming. So again, like as, as every time we try to think of an alcoholic medical application, it tends to be too much alcohol for the very little benefits of whatever is attached to it. Well, in, in this case, you're not going to get any benefit because the, the activated charcoal is not even going to touch the ethanol. So all you're doing it for is food coloring purposes. And then you have to worry about, well, what's the charcoal doing to the rest of everything that I eat? Yeah. yeah okay. But there's not such thing as a possible activated charcoal overdose. Probably not because your your body's not going to absorb that activated charcoal into your bloodstream. So all you're going to do is let it sit into your gut until you eventually poop it out. And that's why... 
we put sorbitol in the medical field, we put sorbitol with our activated charcoal. And so for Lou, if you're trying to use activated charcoal for diarrhea, hopefully it does not have sorbitol in it because you just (laughs) defeated the purpose of what you're taking it for. That's a real, okay. So what I've got here, uh, it says, uh, I should take two capsules and that's 105 milligrams. Milligrams? You went grams. Yeah. You want to, you went 250. Oh, I'm sorry. 100. Oh, well, hang on. There's no way that that's 100 grams. Well, I mean, hell, let me just show you. There's no way that that's more than milligrams, right? I mean, it's just this little guy. Well, it could be. Oh. So most medications, when you look at it and it says that there's 50 milligrams in this capsule, most of what you're consuming is just like talc and sugar and just additives that have nothing to do with that medication. Oh, actually, I'm sorry. The two capsules has have 520 milligrams okay. together. So I need to take 20 of them is yes. what you're saying so you, every you eight hours. You have to take a lot of those capsules in order to hit that threshold of 250 grams. Oh. And the only other ingredient is the non-GMO vegetable cellulose capsule. Yeah, right. That's just a little binding agent to hold everything together in that capsule. Mm, cool. Okay, so, okay. so like we, we've explored now a lot of the medical uses of the activated charcoal, but I yeah. guess we're here more for its aesthetic uh, capacities. So right. I'm, I'm guessing that to make food and drinks black, it's not an easy uh, task. There's not a lot of options you can use. Right. So about the only other natural <laughs> option yeah, out there hey, is Lou, squidding. That's a, yeah, it's what? Squidding. Pudding. Squidding, sure. Squid, yeah. Oh. Well, there's got to be just straight up black food coloring, too. There is. Yes, you can get an artificial black food coloring, which, again, there's people who don't want artificial anything in their their food or beverage. So the squid ink is the only naturally occurring black substance that I'm a know of that you can put in your food. But activated charcoal started getting used probably a decade ago to make these really black like funny looking drinks. And then now the FDA has since banned it. So you can no longer put activated charcoal in your food substances. Yeah. Did I miss this while I was uh, uh, grabbing my pills or checking on the dogs? But why why would they ban it? Yeah, I'm not entirely sure why. I think the the worry is, is there going to be some kind of medication interaction? So if you're at a restaurant and, and you're a chef that's serving people activated charcoal with their meal, the worry is, are they going to take medication with their meal and now they're not absorbing their medication because mm. they've just consumed some activated charcoal? Oh. So the so if so if I buy the uh, the the toothpaste that has activated charcoal in it, even though I'm sp- well, I guess I'm spitting the toothpaste out, so it's probably not doing anything. Yeah, probably not. And and this FDA ban only applies as using activated charcoal as a color additive in food. Got it. And. Well, boy, okay, I think you just hit on, I feel like we buried the lead here. I think you you maybe just hit on the important point. Do bartenders know this? Is Probably this something? <laughs> so, 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 like, yeah, who bars knows might about still this, be... Lou? Like, I think, well, that's what, I think that's even what a bunch of physicians like... might not know about this. <laughs> oh, it, well, well, physicians, I'm sure, do, because they've, like, they've got to stay on top of these kinds of things. But um, that's really interesting that, that, Maybe this is like a flag for bartenders who are listening that, hey, if you're using activated charcoal, don't. Right. And so that's the 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 example that's always given in the bartending community is what if someone takes birth control at the same time that they drink their cocktail with activated oh, charcoal? No. Would they just inactivated their birth control? And the good news is not really. 
So activated charcoal, you need I'm sorry. a lot of I've, I've, I've never seen that. The only other time I've seen that look of concern on Chava's face was when you mentioned that his brain might be shrinking. <laughs> so now he's thinking, oh my God, and I might be getting women pregnant? Those are the only two times where he gets serious. That's it. Continue, Ryan. Continue. Lou, we're cutting that out somehow. <laughs> okay, no. Roy, I want you to highlight what I just said, maybe with some fanfare, some bugles. Okay, anyway, keep going, Doc. Yeah, so, right, as we talked about, you need a lot of activated charcoal in order to absorb things. And so having a little bit in your cocktail drink is probably not enough to absorb the birth control and inactivate it. And there have been a couple of studies specifically by ob looking at uh, women who take their birth control and consume activated charcoal at the same time, and then measuring their blood levels to see how much birth control got in there, and really makes no difference. You you're not gonna over, you're not gonna throw off your birth control regimen by drinking a cocktail with activated charcoal in it. There's just simply not enough charcoal in there. Mm. Okay, hang on. So then, do we need to tell those same bartenders who we told not to use activated charcoal to go ahead and use activated charcoal? I still would not use it. So. I don't know if you've ever seen a picture of somebody who's used activated charcoal in a medical sense. Charcoal gets everywhere. It stains everything. Your oh. teeth are black. And then, of course, I'm dealing it with in poison patients, so they spill the activated charcoal everywhere. So now it's on the sheets and on the floor, and it's a real mess in the hospital. And then when I heard that people mix this in drinks, my thought was, why? Why would anyone <laughs> want this in a beverage and consume it willingly? <laughs> but So, so uh, uh, off-topic... I'm curious, is there any kind of difference between activated charcoal that's made from wood and activated charcoal that's made from coconut shells or other um, other? Probably not, because it's really just a carbonaceous material with a high surface area. So at the end of the day, probably not. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. I mean, to be honest, though, like black is such a fascinating color in all industries. You know, in, in glass, it was... No, no, like, I'm, I'm serious, Lou. Like, I, I understand why they will want to use something. I mean, can you imagine that the only other natural occurring thing to to color things black is squid? That's the most extravagant freaking ingredient you can add in, in, in a plate. And, you know, like, in textiles, like, it's one of the huge challenges that there is to make natural dyes that paint something black. Nobody has quite figured that out, except for the Chinese. They have a special type of silk. So, like, I mean, as, as much as a mess that it can do, as much as, a, a, like, uncomfortable and possible medical implications that it might have, I really think that a black drink is tremendously sexy and beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> that is just so freaking weird. I suspect <laughs> you are in the 1% of the 1% of people who go to bars uh, Java, in terms of your excitement about finding a drink that is this color, I think that's just weird. I, I don't, I don't think so. I think no, that lots I, of people like weird colored stuff because they want to take pictures of it and they want to put it on social media. And not even that, just just want to look at it. it. But at the same time, you know, here's here's the lead into the next episode. Um, at the same time, you've got this obsession now with making things totally clear. Right? I mean, that's the whole point of the Cristalinos. It's sort of the opposite of what yeah, we're talking yeah, yeah. about but, here. But that, but that's... And yet, oh, hang on, <laughs> ooh, another tie-in, and yet, what are they using in order to make it absolutely clear? Exactly. Charcoal filtration. 
Charcoal filtration? Is it the same charcoal, Ryan? I'm, I'm guessing yeah. it is. It has huge uh, surface area. Therefore, it's able to all all the all the different elements that might be added using wood they stick to the charcoal. So yeah, it yes. makes sense. So there's already charcoal used in the production of alcoholic beverages, namely in vodka. So high high premium vodkas after they go through their 10x distillation process, they'll then <laughs> take that ethanol and pour it through the equivalent of a Brita water pitcher and then strip out any remaining congeners that are there. So you, that way you get the most purest ethanol vodka imaginable. That's also how Bacardi works, and that's also how the Lincoln County process works for making Tennessee whiskey. So Jack Daniels goes through activated charcoal as well, which is why Jack Daniels is such an easy-to-drink whiskey, because it doesn't have much flavor at the very end of it. God bless and, Jack wait, and then they just add food coloring to make no, it that then, color? No, then, then it's set in, in uh, charred oak barrels just like ah, bourbon. Gotcha. Yeah. So, okay, so hang on a second then. If I make a margarita and I put it in a Brita water, water filter, water pitcher, and it gets filtered through activated charcoal, do I end up getting like a clear margarita? Not necessarily. Not really, no. no. It's not going to strip out all the coloring. If I, if, I, if I filter it 10 times through a Brita, will I? Mm. Like, is it just a matter of maybe? Mm. I'll is this an maybe. experiment we're going to need to try when I, we're down yeah, there in that October, That's a great Ryan? experiment for you to do, to, to make a margarita <laughs> and then pour Alone. it 10 times. Yeah, let us know the effects. One hour from now, after it's finally dripped through. Yeah. So I think I think that's about it, no, guys? Like, do you have any other questions, Lou, about charcoal, activated charcoal, black drinks, anything? anything uh, you want some recipes that we can send to your house? Any other experiments we want to commission? No, I th I th I think I think that's it though. Now I'm I'm fascinated with the idea of um of of jumping into one of these ornos and pulling out the charcoal that they've just or the wood that they've just used that's now become charcoal. <laughs> and do a cristalino with that? <laughs> well, I wasn't thinking the cristalino. I was thinking making my diarrhea pills with uh with something out of a mescalero's orno. But sure, we could do that as well. That'll be hilarious. That'll be so funny. They'll get that. They'll finally make you be the most hated person in the whole agave industry. <laughs> and I think you really need that title in your life. Okay, I'm down with that. Okay, cool. Well, guys, thank you very much for entertaining uh, this episode. See you soon. Thanks for having me. Adios. Hasta pronto. This has been Agave Road Trip, the podcast that helps gringo bartenders learn about agave spirits. Your hosts are Lou Bank and Chava Periban. Sound engineering by Roy Sierra. Theme song performed by Gabriel Oliveira and Mark Rico. Sign up to become a road tripper and listen to more episodes at agaveroadtrip.com. If you enjoyed this podcast, please let us know. And if you hated it, recommend it to your enemies. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram. Lou is in charge of our social media. So if he happens to sound like an old man, forgive him. He is one. A Gabby Road Trip is a production of 10 Angry Pitbulls, Inc. Agave Road Trip is powered by Simplecast. Thank you for listening to Heritage Radio Network. Heritage Radio Network is food radio supported by you. For our freshest content, subscribe to our newsletter. To subscribe to the Heritage Radio Network newsletter, enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with Heritage Radio Network on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find Heritage Radio Network at facebook.com slash heritageradionetwork. 
Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. Heritage Radio Network couldn't do that without support from listeners like you. Become a part of the food world's most innovative community today. Subscribe to the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join the Heritage Radio Network family by becoming a member. To become a member of the Heritage Radio Network, click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Heritage Radio Network can become addictive. Programming you here on Heritage Radio Network can drive you to eat, drink, and listen to more programming on Heritage Radio Network. If it drives you to drink, please do not drink and drive. Drink responsibly, eat responsibly too, and listen to Heritage Radio Network responsibly. To listen to Heritage Radio Network responsibly, wear protective earbuds. While wearing protective earbuds, do not drive or walk. Sit in a comfortable chair. If that comfortable chair has a hard seat, please remember to get up and stretch every 30 minutes. If you get up and stretch every 30 minutes, do not stretch beyond your abilities. Stay within your defined stretching capacity and consult a doctor who specializes in stretching. If you do not have a doctor, listen to all the shows on the Heritage Radio Network. There has to be at least one doctor among the Heritage Radio Network podcast hosts. Thanks for listening. Agave Road Trip out.